Hey there, Zlatko here from Taco Agency and the host of the Taco Talk podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. On this episode, I had the pleasure to chat with Steve Young, who is the founder of App Masters. He was a really awesome guy to talk to, and I'm excited for this episode. AppMasters is an app marketing agency that helps startups build empires. This includes retention, monetization, and also downloads. Steve founded AppMasters in 2010. He also has his own podcast. Just search for AppMasters podcast on your favorite podcast app, and I'm sure you will find it. He has a ton of episodes with a lot of great content that is worth listening to. I will also link this in the show notes below. You can find Steve on Twitter by searching Steve P. Young. His Twitter is definitely worth following, especially if you want some additional information about apps and how to grow your business. I hope you enjoy listening to the episode. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Steve, welcome to Taco Talk Podcast, my man. Uh, we just finished one of... Uh, one of the podcasts for your podcast. So yeah. uh, he here we are, man. Um, thank you so much for being on today. And um, yeah, man, I, I, I think it's great that we got to connect after such a long time. And so um, why don't you give people a, a little bit of an insight into what you do at App Masters? Because I think it's pretty, pretty awesome what you do, man. Yeah, thanks, brother. Thanks, to, thanks for having me on, Z. So we... Yeah. We're, we're rebranding the website, but maybe hopefully by the time this comes out, the website will be rebranded. Re but essentially, we help app startups turn into app empires. And it's through it's an app marketing agency that really focuses more on the holistic 360 view of the app space, not just downloads. So we help customers with downloads, retention, and monetization. We're seeing really good results on the conversion side because I feel like that's the thing that most app developers are missing. Everybody thinks about downloads so much. And they forget about, okay, after the downloads, what's going to happen? But downloads is such an easy number. Like, you know, where we run businesses, so we always look at traffic. But, you know, it's kind of like, where are the sales? And you don't right. think about the sales. They just think about the traffic number. So Right, right, right. That's awesome, man. And so um, how did you, uh, when, where did your career kind of start? Meaning, yeah. you know, what did you do before you did App Masters? And then how did you come about to start, you know, App Masters, for example, because I know there's always some sort of journey uh, to get to where you are. I know I have my journey. Uh, so tell me a little bit about how you started, what gave you the idea? And uh, yeah, man, I, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. Z, it, so all my career, I'll tell you, I'll just go back, right? I yeah. started my career in- Take it all the way back. All, all the way, way back. back. <laughs> so I wanted to sell cassette tapes when I was- in elementary school in like sixth grade. So I sold some like rap cassette tapes back then. So I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And my first job out of college and the way I got it Z, was I found out the, the company is right next door to my parents' house. So I literally just drove over because I was sending resumes, right? This was 2004, sending resumes, oh, wow. not re really hearing things back. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to go over there and just drop it off. So I was like, hey, I'm applying for the job. Here's my recovery letter. Here's my resume. I loved for to get it. And they ended up interviewing me and get hired me. One of the main reasons was because I went over there and I took that initiative just to be like, here's my resume. Right. And so through that, that's where I learned a lot of different, dude, I did everything there, man. We were an e-commerce store selling computer parts and we did everything from calling, like picking up phones to selling, to customer support, to email marketing, to like updating the website. It was a Yahoo shop. So we updated the website with different <laughs> products. 
to lastly do like at four or 5 p.m. when the phones were sort of dying, we went to the warehouse and we just started packing. So we would, oh, we wow. would we'd be there from like 8.30, let's say, to maybe eight o'clock every single day. And I wasn't getting paid worth crap, right? And so- Pretty much free work. Up, what's that? Pretty much free work. <laughs> it is, dude, it is. But after nine months of that, I ended up quitting and at that job, I noticed that these decals, these stickers that we put on the computers were selling a lot. And we had one supplier. So I was like, let me just be the second supplier, right? Like everybody's buying from the same guy. And so I started this business called Decal Happy, did all the LLC work, got all the paperwork done. And I made like maybe 200 bucks tops. Oh, wow. But it was so satisfying to get that first sale because I put on OS Commerce. I had like a little technical background. So I built the website called it Decal Happy and we're ranking really well for like Batman decals or Superman decals when people search for it. We were number one on Google and that's how we would get customers. And during that, that was about three months and I ended up finding another job and I was always doing like marketing, online marketing. So I ran PPC for Walmart and then I did, I wanted to go smaller where I could learn a lot more about the different marketing aspects. But right before, in 2011, I started an app. I started creating apps of my own because of technical background, started learning how to create code. And it was because I went to a meetup in the Bay Area where they were just talking about this thing called, <laughs> coincidentally, Corona. And oh, interesting. Yeah, so that was the, the name of the software. I learned, I taught myself how to code, started launching apps and started doing this on the side. I was running, I was a director of marketing for a startup in San Francisco. And in 2013, I was like, you know what? I really want to turn this business because I was always doing these side jobs, side hustle jobs. I want to turn this app business to a real business. So started interviewing some of my heroes. The apps were continuing to grow back in 2013 anyways. So I was like, you know what? I want to see if I can turn this business to a real business. And just started doing that. And then through the podcast, people started coming to me for marketing help. And then six months after starting the podcast, I just ended up starting quitting my job and then started the agency. Oh man, I love it. I love it. So at that time when you were doing the decals, like yeah. what, what, I mean, that was way back when, I mean, email marketing at that point was like, you were like, you know what I mean? It's just, nobody was really, you know, kind of grasping. I mean, nowadays, like you can't really run an online store without email marketing. Otherwise you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Yep. So how did you, where did you learn that? Like, how did, what system did you use there at that time? And how did you learn? Like, how did, did you set up like drip campaigns? Like what yeah. was the kind of the no. flow? No, dude. So it was all through Yahoo. And I believe it was a Yahoo store that had it. And back then, you know, it was 2004. So like email, people were still using email pretty heavily. It's not as spammy as it was today. And so right. I was just like, we should be sending an email to our customers. Like every other e-commerce store is doing the same thing. Why are we not doing that? And so I literally just taught myself how to put together. Some, I used some HTML. And so I used to use front page back in the day. And I was like, oh, okay, let me utilize some of this skill set that I have. And then we started putting together email campaigns. So they're just like weekly newsletters of like top selling products. Damn. I love it. I love it. So uh, this, this will probably get me in, uh, in trouble, but talking about the cassette tapes that you were talking about when I was in, uh, in high school, actually, my little hustle, my little side hustle was yep. uh, getting uh, burning CDs like off of like LimeWire and shit. Yep. And then what, what I would do is I would actually pr uh, get the CDs, you know, buy one of those big ass stacks of CDs. I'm already. Uh, 
write like you know m&ms like new cd that doesn't come out for like two weeks on the market and then i would go in and i just be like selling for like five to ten bucks to all my soccer buddies i was walking around with like a wad of cash every single day and i was just like man I, my parents don't have to pay for my lunch anymore <laughs> nice. dude me and my brother were doing similar things we're like drop shipping on ebay and his most popular he was like out selling like crazy and he would just burn these dvds of like pokemon and oh. just sell them on ebay now hopefully this is all done and dandy but we, it, my account get it ended up getting suspended we had so many good reviews i was so mad at him but hey man you just I'm have done. to make it make it work sometimes man yeah. you can't you know what i mean like you yeah. gotta you gotta get going somewhere no dude i i, I really love it so what is uh, what what was one of your first apps that you built yourself and and did you use i mean were you one of like because I mean, you said 2013, so that's kind of early app store days, like earlier, I shouldn't say early, but how how did you gain traction at that point? And what was the first app that you built? Yeah, the first app I ever created, so I coded this all on my own. I found a template through Corona where it was a photo viewer. And so you can have different photos and you just see different photos. So I was like, oh, I can do that, right? Like I take that code and if I tap somewhere, well, it would just, it would be a phonics app. So if you tap the A, you'd just be like A, ah, ah, A type of thing and i did all the voiceovers i found all the free gra i bought graphics online i did the graphics myself i thought it looked great and then i published to the app store and back then z it was so easy like you just hit submit and you would get thousands of downloads like that apple oh, just, wow. here you go so they would start promoting all new apps because it was so pretty still fairly new back then and so that's how i was getting the downloads it was all through aso which is seo for the app store but back then, I didn't know crap. I just put like ABC, ABC, go, go, blah, blah, blah. And then just alphabet. And I just threw it up in there and ended up getting thousands of downloads. It was absolutely free, though. But it gave me the bug. And I started making more apps. I made a paid app that ended up being the more successful app that I had. And I made it $199. And it was sort of based off of some, it was another phonics app because my son was 18 months. So that's all I was thinking about kids, learning oh, the ABCs. Nice. And it was just based off another app. And I charged, started charging for it. And that's, that's the app that started making more money off of that. Are, any, are, any, of your, are any of your apps still on the app store? No, I ended up selling the portfolio to another. So that first app ended up generating lifetime over 500,000 downloads. Oh, and nice. Ended up selling that portfolio to another person on Flippa. Oh, nice. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. really awesome. Did they approach you or you just kind of went out of your way to like reach out to people? No, I just put it on Flippa. So Flippa.com. I just sold, I sold it through that marketplace. Oh, nice. That's really awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah, the, the kid, I remember when those uh, first like learning and kids like apps started rolling out, like Apple was so behind that they were just wanting everybody to get on because, you know, at that point, they started releasing the iPad. So it was more like, oh, now we don't even have to have books. Now everything is on an iPad. And uh, so that that's really awesome, man. That's really I mean, you were ahead of the game. Obviously, I was always one of those people that was I was helping my buddy build um, he had a web design business and I was always helping him build and I would always sit there and be like, man, we got to get on this damn app store, man. Like people are yeah. making boot groups of money here, you know? And so uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, we need to find something. And then, um, we never, we never did it, man. I didn't make my first app till, uh, two years, a year and a half, two years ago. Um, you know, so it, it was just one of those things that I, I always wanted to do. So that, that's, that's really awesome. So what is now that you're talking to a lot of these, like, I mean, obviously with your experience and stuff that you're talking to a lot of these new like app developers and people trying to gain traction, what, what is kind of that point of advice? You're like, Hey, 
these are the one or two or three things that you have to do in order to, um, or, or you should do, I shouldn't say you have to do, because, you know, there's overnight successes. I mean, there's people who just post something and it's like, boom, goes through the roof type of thing. Uh, but what are a couple of those things that you, you kind of advise people on in terms of, hey, man, these are the three things that I would say are, you know, if you're at the bottom level, you know. Well, if you're trying to really make money through the mm -hmm. app store, I would say do market research, right? I think one of my friends, he was had a successful app business and we, we launched the app together. He hired us and we did phenomenally well, got featured by Apple, drove tens of thousands of downloads. And unfortunately it just wasn't sticky enough, right? Like he wasn't generating enough money. So he was like three, four months from shutting that company and because running out of cash, and he started selling the market. He's just like, okay, fine, forget it. I don't care about what my ideas are. I'm gonna look at what the top grossing apps are and then create a very similar app off of that. Leverage SEO, ASO, SEO for the app stores. Yeah. And just see what's working, what are people paying for, what are the top grossings, and just create that. And then it totally completely shifted his company around and he's making millions a year now. And so it is first step one, like do the research. If you're doing this because you wanna build an app business, a portfolio successful app business, then do the research, see what's out there and do that. Now, if you got a grando idea, then go ahead, go pursue that, right? I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But right. I would also say like, don't, don't go so quickly without at least validating it on the web. You know, it's so easy, easy just to put a web page together through WordPress or lead pages or click funnels or whatever it is. And just to test the market. And I don't think with app developers, because the development costs are so high, they're not doing a lot of validation, product market fit. They just have these grandiose ideas and they, they'll launch the app. And so it's really, if you got, if you want to study market and create clone apps, you can do phenomenally well there. If you have a unique idea, like an Airbnb or an Uber of the world, well, you right. got to validate it and start slow, right? And what are the key features? So don't go building a bloated app, just start slow like you would with a, you know, I started my agency just putting a landing page up on my website. Right. Like, I wonder if anybody's gonna fill this out. Right, Hopefully right, right. Do, right? And that's it. Right. And so it is like making sure there's a product market fit first and then investing the 50, 100 grand that's probably gonna to take to build this app, depending on the idea, how big the idea is. Yeah, and do you see a more across your table come like, you know, those clone ideas, or are you looking at more people trying to get those like grandiose ideas out there? You know, the Instagrams, for example. And and to be honest with you, I mean, there was other uh, picture sharing uh, ideas yeah, before Instagram, but they just did it right with the filter. I mean, literally it was just the filter that made the big difference, what people, attra what attracted people to it. So do you see more of like people trying to be like, Hey, I can build a better calculator or I can build a better photo view app or whatever it is. Or do you see more people trying to hit that, you know, the unicorn? The unicorn probably. Yeah. Really? Because everybody thinks, everybody thinks, Everybody has ideas, right? And everybody thinks that their ideas are so grand and so big and so unique. And I think for what I've learned throughout the years too, maybe the third thing is your idea isn't as unique as you think they are. Like this very rarely do I come across somebody that I talk to that been like, hey, I got this idea. If you want to sign an NDA? I'm like, bro, I probably heard the idea already. Right? <laughs> it's ridiculous. So like, just tell me the freaking idea because I probably already heard of it or I can tell you an app that already exists that does very similar to what you've done. And so, yeah, like it's, yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I completely, uh, I kind of, comp I, I see both sides of it and I see a lot of these duplications of apps and different things. And I'm always very, very curious in terms of, you know, how, 
what they're doing, you know, it's hard to download all of these apps and, you know, all this other stuff, but like, I think it just comes down to obviously a lot of the marketing and, and all yeah. that. Now, let me ask you, um, what kind of app do you see? I mean, you said your buddy's doing really, really well with his app. Did he go from like a freemium type of model to a paid model or did he uh, just kind of go free and make his money like in-app purchases or something like that? What was, what was the kind of the, the goal behind that? Yeah, I think what's trending right now is subscription-based apps. So, right. Especially on right. iOS, it's that's where most of the money. Any, if you look at the top grossing, besides games, obviously, and even games are starting to have some subscription-based elements, but it's subscription-based apps. That's the way to go. And I'm not to say Z like just look in the app stores and just straight out copy it. Like put your own unique spin on it. Of like, course. All the big ones, right? Like Uber, well, taxis. They adopted it from the taxi model. And Facebook, you know, we had Friendster back in the day. So it's always adopted from something else. So I'm not saying like straight copycat it, but like put a unique spin on it that you right. can't see in anything else. But obviously this type of app is making money. So this type of app has legs. People are willing yeah. to pay for this type of app. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and uh, to me, and what do you think it is? Like, what is that set apart point? Is it the branding? Is it the... Is it the, some sort of unique functionality? Like how part of, how big, I'm, I'm a brand guy. Like I love beautiful design. I love, you know, ease of use. But then, I, I mean, I'm sometimes see some stuff and I'm like, damn, this sucks, but people are using it. Like this is amazing to me type of thing. So what, what do you see kind of that set apart point? See, I'm not a perfectionist. Like if you look at my website, it's probably butt ugly. The, the design is off, the buttons are off. I'm more of a, if it's good enough type of person, because sometimes I've, I, if I keep thinking about a project and it's been in this like messy middle of like getting started, but not completely finished, then I'm like, dude, I have to finish this thing. Otherwise, what the hell is it doing? Right. Why right. do I invest in this time? And so I think when people think of when seeing, they see an app, they see like, Oh man, it's making so much money, but I could do this so much better. They're forgetting that the app probably is good enough. Like Craigslist, for example, example, right. right. It's good enough. It's solving a problem and their marketing is stellar and their funnel is probably stellar as well. Right? right. So like if you think about all the meditation apps out there, you start using, you are like, they're pretty much all the same. Right. But now right, you have right. to understand how good is their marketing? What are they, you know, how are they leveraging Facebook? How are they building then the brand like calm and headspace have done a really good job at. And now it's like, okay, now you can see why they have the tremendous growth, but are they uniquely different from any other med meditation app? Sure. Calm can be because of all the celebrities they have, but like, you know, for the most part, it's all pretty much the same. Right, right. And do you see more of the success going when people go iOS first and then Android or vice versa? If your Android's great for downloads and iOS is fantastic for making money. So Android has a big, way bigger reach, but especially if you're going to build a subscription-based app, you will find that you don't need as many users on iOS to make the same amount of money that you would need on Google Play. And sometimes, dude, the numbers are insane. Like sometimes you need double or like five X the downloads to make the same amount of revenue that you can get on iOS. So I would say think, iOS is probably more important. Do you think that the new Apple sign-in uh, feature has anything to do with that? Cause they made it super easy. I just subscribed to like Babbel, for example, cause I'm trying to learn Italian with my girlfriend nice. and it, they made it so easy. I mean, I spent like 30 bucks within two seconds because I was like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to subscribe for three months. You just gave me, you know what I mean? Like they made it super easy. I didn't have to type in any info. It was like Apple sign in, Apple pay gone. Like it didn't so seamless, like beyond seamless. 
I think so. I think it's a great move by Apple. Like I'm more, I'm using that sign in more than I, I used to just use Facebook all the time. I didn't give a crap, but yeah, man, like Apple makes it, it was, I mean, it was always true. So like the revenue side, it, it's not like the the sign in make, made a huge difference, but the fact that the payment is so seamless on iOS, but you know, iOS users tend to have more money than Google tend to be, you know, like, so like yeah. they it's just, it's more of the iOS user. I mean, they're expensive phones, right? So it's more of the, the demographic of the iOS user. That's why the money is more generated on iOS. Oh, I love it. I love it. So to, to switch gears just a little bit on a day to day, how big is your, tell us about your team at app masters. How big are you guys currently? So we've got a team of five. We've got three in the Philippines and one in India and me in the States in California. Oh, nice. So what tools do you guys use on a day-to-day basis to kind of keep track of everything? Primarily Slack. My So I have a COO, project manager type of person that handles most of the stuff. And she uses ClickUp to manage all the stuff from our clients. And so okay. ClickUp, you know, we used to use Trello. We used to use all, you know, like Trello was the primary project management, but she found that ClickUp was better. So I was like, fine, that works for me. And so we use, we rely on ClickUp for a lot of the different tasks and then obviously Slack and then the, the tools that everybody else knows. Yeah. Are you guys, are you guys growing exponentially at the moment? Like, are you guys trying to grow the team or are you guys pretty solid where you are right now? Yeah. I mean, I have, I have weird feelings about this. So in 2000, I want to say 17, I was doing really, or maybe it was 18, but I wanted to really grow the business and we were hitting some ridiculous numbers that we we we've never hit before, but I had somebody in the States that I was paying and it was just, I had more stress, man. And I didn't like where it was headed. And so after all that, I cut all the services. So I was offering more services. We're just signing a ton of great clients, but at the same time I was unhappy and I felt like more pressure on me. And so I'm pretty satisfied with where our revenues number, I wouldn't say we're exponentially growing. I just cut back on who we want to target and the lifestyle and happiness, I have that as top priority rather than just revenue, looking at the revenue numbers. Am I able to support my family and do we have a great life? Yes. And if that's clear and I'm happy doing this, because I ne- th- then back then I felt, I was just stressed out and it was just like right. complete burnout. And so I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm scaling this back. If I hit these numbers, great. That's a good month. And so what, I, what we're starting to do and where we're seeing good traction is, really eliminate some of the pressures that come with running an agency and figure out ways that we can do a productized service for app marketing. And so we're seeing some early, really early good results, beta testing this new service. And so I'm excited about that. And I do see that as something that I want to really focus on. And we're, we're seeing more increasing sort of like our courses. We have digital product too. And so what I'm trying to do now is shift the agents from an, a purely agency model to more a digital and a productized service type of model where it doesn't feel like everything runs through me right now. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? What is the product that you guys are, are, you know, working on type of thing or do you, can you share any of that? Yeah, of course. So it's unlimited ASO. So that's, that's it. Right. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm a cust- I used to be a customer design pickle before I hired somebody full time to be on our team. And then I use a video editing site called Video Husky. So it's unlimited video editing. And so we're doing something similar with unlimited ASO. It's keyword optimization. It's responding to reviews. It's building backlinks. It's helping you with new screenshots and app icons and testing those things. And so 
it's an unlimited service and most of those things can be done by my team. You tell us what you need, we'll get it done for you. Oh, nice. That's awesome, man. And what, what is, uh, what is kind of your day to day in that? Uh, like if you like, uh, uh, maybe it's not the same, but like from the morning to like night, like what does your day usually consist of at the moment? So because of the Corona and the pandemic, it's it's pretty crazy because my wife has her own law firm. And so we're splitting the day in half. Oh, there you go. So half the day is with the kids. Now with school starting soon, it's going to be probably a little bit more, but what usually I try to slot like Tuesdays and Thursdays as calls for clients. And then Monday and Wednesday are totally like heads down working on, just client stuff or working on different thing, new projects that we're working on. So Monday's usually the fun client stuff. Wednesdays are more like, all right, what are the fun projects? Mondays are catch up. What are client things we need to deliver? Wednesdays are usually the fun stuff. What can I get done? And then Fridays is more content creation because I go live on YouTube every Friday at 9 a.m. And then we do a couple of different podcasts too after Friday. So it's more content creation. So that's sort of how I split up the days. You're on the same schedule as me. My call days are Tuesdays and Thursdays with clients and new, new clients and all that stuff. I feel like it works so much better and my life is so much more balanced when you, when you split up those days, like those Monday, Wednesday, and like part of Friday, it's like head down work, get the shit done, like before the weekend comes around. But Tuesdays and Thursdays, like I don't really do any actual work. It's just like seven to eight calls throughout the day and it's just like left and right just banging them out so that's really interesting because i i had to i adopted that about like eight months ago and it's been honestly life-changing any client that i talk to i mean i'm at the point you know luckily to be able to be like hey listen they're like oh i need to i need to talk to you by friday i'm like it's tuesday or thursday i'm sorry like i'm not budging on my schedule because it works for me and if you can't wait then probably we don't even want to work together at that point right Yeah, I'm with you too, dude. Like most people never complain, but the ones who complain, you got to be careful. There's a reason why they're complaining. Exactly. That's exactly what I say. That's exactly what I say. There's a reason why they're complaining. They're just rushing and it's probably not going to be a good client for us. Yeah, it's never as urgent as they think they're. It's like, oh, Steve, we're going to hire you. We're looking to hire somebody. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? You hear that all the time. Okay. Like, yeah. I've also said like, what I recently did was I put a budget in place that when you contact us, so I have this process and most people like this Zeke where it's this contact us form. And if it's under like, let's say a grand or whatever it is, I'm like, Hey, here's what you can do. So you can pay for our stuff. And even on the contact page, it says pay for our time, right? right. Through clarity. And I've got a ton of great reviews on clarity. So I think it's a little, another social proof angle, but if your budget meets the requirement, then after that you fill out the form, it sends you to the calendar link. Calend- like I use schedule once, but it, yes. it sends you to our calendar link. And then after the calendar link, after they book the schedule, I'm like, hey, Z, you're in our call. So this is from you, usually from you clients. I want to focus on you. So here's all about me. Because I hated saying the spending, okay, Steve, tell us a little bit about your background. Spending the first two minutes of every single call. You and I do like eight or seven calls back to back, right? Right. So I hated doing the same, saying the same. I was like, look, I don't want to say this anymore. Just record, I turn on the webcam and say, hey, here's what I've done. You know, been in the app agent, been in the app business since 2011, kind of things that I just told you earlier. Right. And I just said, watch this video. If you don't want to watch this video, here are cool bullet points. Let's talk about you during our call. And that saved so much more time. So they just see everything step by step. Oh man, I might have to implement that. I see I haven't gotten to that point yet because like 
our our calls are so like they vary from you know we're we're Shopify centric and like mobile app development and stuff like that. So sometimes, but I think that's a, that's a really really uh, good idea. Yeah. So for us, we on our contact form on our website, we actually have a minimum budget that we put on there. It's like unless you're willing to at least go this route, yeah. like we're not going below this because. Yeah. The like uh, what I, what equates to like kind of like our hourly rate. We're trying to we're moving a lot more into value based pricing at the moment. Just trying to make sure that we're at the place like where it's like okay, we're working with bigger clients, and if you feel like this is a big need for you and how much it affects your business, then we want to make sure that we're there as well in terms of our financial side of things because we want to dedicate that time, right? Like we want to make sure that we're there for them and we give them the best service. So it has to make both uh, sense for both parties. And um, yeah, for us, it's been a really, really big game changer because it's filtered out. I mean, we used to get 10 to 20 different uh, inquiries every single uh, week and it's just come down to like maybe six to seven, but they, they're a lot more sticky because they already know, Hey, this is not a bullshit call. Like you're not wasting time and you know, all this other stuff. So it's, it's really, really interesting. So I, I, I really like that you, uh, that you did that. So mm-hmm. let me ask you, so I don't want to, um, I don't want to, uh, kind of go, go too long here. Cause I know you obviously have stuff to do and all that. And, um, I think it's just like super valuable, everything you shared, but what is like one thing across your career from the time you started selling cassettes to the time you're doing, uh, you know, what you're doing now with app masters, like what is, has there been like one lesson that you've kind of delegated to yourself throughout that whole process to say, you know, Hey, this is, this is kind of stuck with me type of thing. Um, and I've been carrying it through my entire career. Like you even said, you know, balancing your life and making sure there's a lot less stress and different things. And obviously I think you also have to go through stress to know what stress is and then to not want it anymore. So what is, do you have that one thing that you kind of hold really dear to your, to your heart? You say, I always kind of have this in the, in the forefront of my mind. I mean, things change all the time, Z, but I think the one lesson that I try to tell myself every day is, you know, forget the deadline. Because I think too many times, meaning like I have this quote that I wrote down from Russ, but it's all pretty much the same, but I just like what he said. Trust the what, I curse. Yeah, of course, okay. of course. Trust the what, fuck the when, never forget the why. And it's sometimes we, I get, I get into this spiral of like, man, it's not happening fast enough, you know, like, Oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z. That's not happening fast enough. Cause I'm, I'm always in like, go, go, go mode. And it's sometimes like things will happen when it happens and you have to relax and not be like, so go, go, go. And sometimes you, I, I feel like sometimes I have a, a lot of self doubt in me too, because I'm like, dang, I should be bigger or I should be doing this more. I should be, have more subscribers, more downloads, more blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, dude, you're fine. Like chill out. Right. And I have to tell myself to chill out and be like, okay, this is good. Look at where you are. He also said in that book too, is like, would like 10 years ago or 12 year old Steve be impressed by 40 year old Steve right now? And it's like, yeah, he pretty much would. Like if I told 12 year old Steve, like you have a business where you work half the day, you've got a great house, you've got a great family and you do, you're doing what you love. Like, would you take that? It's like, yeah, I'd be extremely proud of that. So a part of it is just really going, taking it back and just being like, okay, being happy with where you're at. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. No, I, I, I really love that. Now, did you kind of schedule your, uh, the way you, uh, you know, your team is in overseas and all this other stuff? Did you do that on purpose so that you could have the half a day type of thing? Or was that just by kind of by accident type of thing? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think when I'm going to sleep, they're doing a lot of this stuff because a lot of it was, I was doing a lot of it on my own when I first started. I had of course. more time. And then it was just like, oh, I'm doing too much. Like I need to focus on the big stuff. What do I love doing? It's just creating content, doing these interviews. And that's what I, if you get paid me just to do that alone, dude, I'm signing me up, right? And right. so how do I have a team that allows me to do just that? Do you feel, do you ever feel like you're uh, a blocker in any of the, uh, in any of the day-to-day -day work? Do you feel like you're holding anyone up when you're not around to answer some questions? Yeah, I do. But I think what I have to try to, I try to tell you, you just have to keep telling your team that like, Hey, this is how you do it. You know, like there are things where I've delegated one of your questions that you want to talk about. is like delegating. What there are things yeah. I delegated. I was like, there's no way they're going to be able to do this. But then I was like, be patient, create the content. So I was like, all right, I'm going to create it. I'm going to create a framework that they can hopefully follow, but then I also have to be patient that they're going to mess up during this framework. And so can right, we go back right. and forth a lot, back and forth a lot to the point where now it's like, okay, they can pretty much do it. And so it's gotten to that point now with a few things that I just thought never would have happened. And so it, you got to be patient when you're trying to delegate, because if you're trying to rush it, they're not you. They don't understand everything as much as you do. You have to give them time. Sometimes, you know, you, you obviously, you know, in your gut, if it's too much time, they're never going to get it. But at the same time, like you have to make sure it sort of marinates a little bit for them too. What is the, What is the one thing that you delegated that you never thought that you would be able to delegate? Dude, so we help clients get featured by Apple and then we have our unique process on it, but it takes, you know, so we pretty much send a cold email out to an app store manager uh -huh. that we find, right? Usually I can like, find me an app store manager. It's easy. And then we have to put together the pitch. So it's like, we put together a presentation for Apple. What is that presentation going to say? We put together an email pitch. What is that email going to say? It's not like, dear sir, we are an app developer. Please feature right. our app, right? Like, it's like, we try to do a little bit of homework being like, Hey Z, we love your taco talk podcast. And we love SAC, you know, like we try to do a little bit of research. So I'm like, okay, do research on the person always lead with some type of rapport that is not so obvious. And uh -huh. then secondly, you know, here's how you angle an app. I usually lead with social proof and I try to talk about what are the unique benefits. Sometimes the app, isn't that great? So let's talk about the founder. Maybe the founder has a better story. So it's these little things where you're crafting a marketing message. And I didn't think that they would be able to take over that because I thought like, I'm the clever one. I'm the one who's going to be able to do this. But I came up with like subject line formats, templates that they can follow. So it's like just plot it in and then a format here. And now it's to the point where I'll do some ed light editing, but it's like, okay, good enough. And then there are times see, that I still this day, I'm like, no, this isn't right. This is the wrong thing. This is the wrong message. Yeah. It's too long. And I have to tell them that, right? And I can't get frustrated and be like, let me just do it. I got to be like, no, here's why this is wrong. Here's and make them redo it so that they learn and eventually they'll get it right. Yeah. We're all humans at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is, uh, so what, what is one thing you want to leave people with, uh, on, on this, uh, podcast? Like what is one thing that you want everybody to be to kind of grasp from this, uh, from this, uh, kind of experience and, and, and from app masters and everything like that? Yeah, I think, you know, life is long. I think that's what I've learned. It's life is long and be patient, but hustle, but be patient at the same time. I think if you're a hustler, you got to learn to be patient. If you're not a hustler and you move things slow, hustle your butt off, man. So yeah. hustle, but be patient too. 
I love it. I love it. So tell people where they can, where they can reach out to you and how they can get in touch with it. If they, if they want to get in touch with you, man. Yeah, man. So it's at masters.com. And then we've got a YouTube channel with, I think close to hopefully 13,000 subscribers on YouTube where we talk a lot about the app business. So if you guys want to check it out, just go to masters.com slash YouTube. And then if you want to find me on social media, I'm just at Steve P. Young everywhere. And your podcast. Oh yeah, just at Masters. So look for, I think you have to search for Steve P. Young, P as in Peter, because when you search for app marketing, sometimes for some reason, the SEO on that is just they think it's marketing in general, right? Uh, and so a lot of the like marketing podcasts outrank me. So just search for Steve P. Young uh, or just go to appmasters.com slash iTunes or slash Spotify. You'll go all there. Perfect. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well and uh, make sure that we, uh, we get that linked up so people can find you. Um, Steve, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you kind of chatting about this. I think this is super, super awesome. I myself being somebody that built an app, I know I learned a lot here. So I'm going to take that back and um, I'll probably reach out to you at some point and, and we can talk more about everything that you're doing and, um, and all that good stuff. So thank you again, man. I appreciate the time. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to kind of releasing this and getting this out to people and hopefully they get something out of it. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Z. All right. Cheers, brother. Have a good one. See you. Bye.